he has chosen to be with the wrong crowd. I was talking to this parent and we were all really concerned about the young adult sitting in front of us. He had not been making very good choices. His grades had dropped considerably. He was facing the possibility of failing out of school. And his mom had given up on the whole notion of trying to help him and motivate him to do better. Her reasoning, her logic was that he had chosen to hang with the wrong crowd and that that crowd was influencing him to make the wrong choices and that she could not compete with that influence. Well, I hear this from parents all the time. Parents of young kids are very concerned about the increasing number of influences that can affect their kids as they grow older. Parents of teenagers are often very concerned about peer pressure and outside influences and television and so-called influencers now on social media and so forth and they are often very worried about what those influences will instill in their kids minds in their young people's minds and what the end result might be parents of young adults worry that they are now outside of their own scope of influence and that they can no longer exert the kind of positive influence that might offset a little bit of that outside influence that might not be perceived as a positive one and parents of adults worry about how their kids are going to raise their own kids because now they feel like their own ability to influence and to impact their children's life is all but gone but here today on sincerely speaking i want to talk about what influence really is whether we actually really ever lose influence on our children and what we can do to stop worrying and fretting over the influences that affect our children's lives. Is your family ready for whatever comes next? As we watch our realities transform almost overnight, parents, teachers, and significant adults wonder, are our kids really ready for this new world? How can we be sure they have all the tools they need how can we inspire, encourage, and empower them to create secure futures in an uncertain world? How can we help them design better tomorrows? Those are the questions, and this podcast explores the answers. I'm Marcia Amaro, and welcome to Sincerely Speaking. So today I want to devote our short conversation um, to this whole idea of influence. See, there's this movement of influencers on YouTube and social media. The word influence is thrown about without any regard for what it truly means and what it really is. And we as parents have been told time and time again that the time we have to influence our children is limited and that once that period of time expires, we are done. We can no longer exert any kind of positive influence on our children's lives. We're also told that when kids turn into teens, um, they start resenting any kind of effort on our part to influence and to help them continue to make decisions and to continue to be an ever-present part of their lives. Now, before I go any further and before we dive into this idea of influence, I want to first just kind of touch really quickly on this idea of 
losing the ability to be influential in our children's lives. I don't think that that is the right approach, and I think that that is one of the things that has done a disservice to our generation of parents, and part of the reason why we feel so helpless at times, and why we have. Kind of accepted this notion that as our kids grow, our relationship with them has to die out, and that we have to accept that as teenagers they're going to reject us, and that as teenagers they're not going to accept anything that we have to say. I think that the problem here is that we assume. That influence has to look the same throughout the entire life of our children and our relationship with them, or we start to think that influence looks like the way we were able to control every aspect of their lives when they were little. That's not influence; that's control, and they are two completely different things. And we're going to look at that in a minute. But it's not that we lose influence; it's just that the way in which we can influence. Changes and shifts and moves with their growth. So the way we can and the way we do continue to have a relationship with our children, first and foremost, relies on our ability to understand that as they grow, as they become new people, our relationship with them also needs to transform and grow and expand. And it's kind of like a metamorphosis, right? Where we start. Um, at one stage, let's call it the caterpillar. Then we go to the chrysalis, and then we become butterflies with them. Just as they go through the processes, so do we, right? And it's interesting to look at that analogy with the butterfly, because the caterpillar is always growing, always hungry for more, always looking to move around, very active, very curious, trying to discover, trying to. Take in as much as possible, just like little children are, right?、And、then, in the chrysalis stage, it is completely still. It's just taking all of that information, all of those nutrients, everything that it has taken in, and it's using it and processing it to figure out what. It needs to become next, and once it steps out of that chrysalis, then it is what it needs to be, or what it was designed to become. In that same way, if we can understand that our children go through a similar process, right? In the first few years, they're taking in everything that they possibly can. Then they go in themselves, right? They retreat into themselves a little bit, but it's just so that they can process and utilize all the information, all the input, all the richness that they have devoured during their youth, their child,、uh, childhood stage. I'm sorry.、Um, And so that they can use that information to determine what they need to become next. And once they emerge out of that chrysalis, then they are at least a lot closer to becoming who they need to be and who they 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 were designed to be. So if we understand this, that it is a process, we also understand that we wouldn't treat. <laughs> Now the the metaphor is going to be maybe stretched a little bit, but we wouldn't treat a butterfly the way we would treat a caterpillar, right? And, and at the chrysalis stage, we know it's delicate. We wouldn't go around trying to force it or force feed it when it's not supposed to be even eating at all, right? So we would need to understand at every stage of the process what our role needs to be, so that we can support that growth, so that we can provide them a safe space in which. To explore when they need to explore, in which they can process when they need to process, and express when they need to express, and we will have 
another conversation in which we talk about how do we do that how do we modify our behavior at each stage of the game but for now just understand that your ability to be an important part of your child's life never ends it just transforms and it changes in the way that you approach it and it changes in the amount of control that you have right that you do lose you do uh, progressively lose control over your child but that doesn't mean that you lose the connection and that doesn't necessarily mean that you lose your ability to be part an important part of their life and that doesn't mean that you have to be completely removed from being there to help them in their decision making processes you just have to know how to transform your role along with their growth so that they continue to be open to what we will be talking about in a, in a minute which is being an inspiration to them right but going back to this idea of influence i believe that one of the main reasons why parents are so concerned with uh, influence aside from the fact that they perceive that they're going to continually lose influence over their children's lives as their children grow is also knowing and understanding how many different sources of influence are out there and how impossibly difficult it is to try and control all the influences that bombard our kids from all sorts of different directions but in order for us to start relieving a little bit of the stress around influences and in order for us to understand how we can actually inoculate our kids against a lot of these negative influences we need to talk about the two main different types of influence right now when we talk about influence regardless of which type of influence we're talking about we're talking about a power for producing a desired effect on someone else right that's what influence is is having the power the ability to somehow produce a desired effect on someone else right to see how what we do that power that we exert somehow ends up transforming modifying or moving someone else's behaviors someone else's conducts someone else's attitudes in a way that matches a desired effect right now like I said before, there are two main types of influences that I have been able to identify and that we will be addressing in the next couple minutes. The first one is instrumental influence and the other one is inspirational influence. Instrumental influence and inspirational influence. When parents are concerned about influence, they're talking about instrumental influence because instrumental influence is when that power to produce a desired effect is used as a tool, as an instrument for manipulation, right? It's when it is used to alter by indirectly controlling by untangible means and using that to sort of force a behavior or a reaction or uh, an end result from someone else Instru instrumental influence is always self-centered right so the person exerting that influ in instrumental influence is not really thinking about what's best for the other person they're thinking about what's best for them ultimately and while it might look well-intentioned at the beginning, it really doesn't hold long-term results in mind. It doesn't really think about ultimately in 5, 10, 15 years, what is the end result that's going to come from this, right? So while 
both influences look at moving someone to action and producing an effect in instrumental influence they use it kind of to coerce to move someone to do something that they might not have thought of that might not ultimately be in their best interest but that the person exerting the influence thinks it would be great to have done right and all of us at one point or another have used instrumental influence even us as parents you know if you do this i will buy you candy that's manipulation that's instrumental influence right we have all done this at one time or another and there are times and places in which instrumental influence can be the only tool you have to start moving someone in the right direction but you need to be conscious of the fact that it is manipulative and you need to be careful how you use it how often you use it and to what extent you use it and if you're caught in the act of being manipulative through instrumental influence you better be ready to stand up and say yes this is what i was doing but this is why and you better have a good reason behind it because otherwise you're going to start to lose trust right and trust is something that we will discuss later but that is very important if we want to maintain this level of relationship with our kids throughout their lives and if we want to be able to continue to be uh, an important part of their decision making and of their existence and of the way they do things right so that's influ instrumental influence now if we look at inspirational influence in inspirational influence you're not looking to manipulate you're looking to stimulate you're looking to help the person move themselves through a process in which they are suddenly motivated to do this thing because they understand and they see that it is ultimately in their best interest inspirational influence is used to lead others to better results that are focused on the other person not on the person exerting the influence right and it strives for sustainable commitment and continued action so when you have inspirational influence what you're trying to do is help the person look at things from a different angle so that they themselves come to the conclusion that this action that this behavior that this whatever it may be is in fact in their best interest and that is something that they should strive to maintain and to carry throughout their entire lives right so when you look at inspirational influence you're looking at yes moving someone to action and producing an effect but it's no longer a coercion it's no longer a do this and you get this or if you don't do this you do whatever right it's not a punishment and reward kind of situation it's a conversation it's a way of communicating it's a way of interacting in which you eventually help the person see how this is in their best interest and they select to do this that's what makes it sustainable and that's what makes it continued right it doesn't it's not short-lived it's long-term it's not something that you want to see happen today and then if it doesn't ever happen again then whatever it's something that you are trying to work towards creating as part of the culture or as part of the way things are done so that it carries throughout the person's life right so let me give you a for instance let's say that i have i don't know my daughter is 
not doing well in a class, right? Or she has a test coming up and she hasn't been studying for it. If I go to use instrumental influence, I can say to her, okay, if you do not sit down and study right now, I will take away your phone and you will not have this and that and that other privilege for a week. You will be grounded for a week unless you sit down and study. Will she sit down and study? Yeah, most likely. Will the desire to study be lasting? No. Will she feel respected in the process? No. She will feel manipulated. She will do it because she doesn't want the consequences. The consequences are most likely will do it, right? But what's going to happen the next time she needs to study? Am I going to have to threaten her again? Am I going to have to use that same type of influential in, uh, instrumental influence tactic again? See what I'm trying to say? So it's short-lived and it's in my best interest because I don't want to have to be on her all the time. And I know, I mean, I'm probably well-intentioned here. I want her to do well, but is it ultimately going to yield the kind of results that I want? No. Plus, it is going, plus the chances of it damaging our relationship increase exponentially the more I use that kind of tactic, right? But if I want to use inspirational influence, I can do several things. First, I can model getting home and setting aside a time and a space for doing work that I need to do. And I can let her see that I do this. And I can model what it looks like to be responsible and to do things when they need to be done. I can also have a conversation with her and say, okay, sweetheart, you are the one that hasn't graduated. You know you have this test coming up. How do you want to feel? after the test. How do you think you will feel if you continue to do what you've been doing? What do you think you could do to feel the way you want to feel? And let her come to the conclusion that she needs to study, right? If she decides not to study though, I need to be okay with letting her face the consequence of not passing, of not doing well. And that's part of what makes it so hard for us as parents is because we have taken in this definition of parents as the people who get their kids to do, then suddenly if I don't get her to pass the test, I'm a bad parent. But that's actually not the way it is because passing one test is one thing, one time in her life. Her entirety of life though, she will need to make decisions about prioritizing, about what's important, about what she will do with her time. So if I step aside for a second and let her learn the lesson, and yes, have the conversation, and yes, model, and yes, try to understand what is making it so difficult for her to sit down and study, but leave the decision in her hands as a teenager. Right? And even as an upper elementary um, age kid, I would do the same thing with my 11 year old. Then I am giving them a set of skills that they can use later on. Plus they will see that my intention is not to force them to be like me or not to force them to do what I want them to do, but to help them be successful in the long run. That's inspiration. And that's what we need to strive for. So while influence and inspiration are both about moving people um, to action and to try to produce a specific result, the difference is that influence can 
dangerously be connected to manipulation and can be short-sighted, self-centered, and ultimately ruin all your relationships. Whereas inspiration is about helping the other person develop a new perspective or a new vision about the task at hand. It's about touching the heart and the mind and allowing them the space to decide and to move in the direction that they determine is best, right? Inspiration is interested in the long-term result and is focused on the other person, not on yourself, right? So ultimately, inspiration is about allowing the other person to feel seen, safe, sweet, and secure enough to make their own decisions, whereas influence is about lack of trust, <laughs> lack of support, lack of understanding, and lack of connection. So when we worry about outside influences if we have been inspirational enough if we have made it a point in our lives to ha exert inspirational influence over our kids lives they will recognize instrumental influence from a mile away and they will reject it because they will understand that that's not the way they want to be treated and that that's not what they need in their lives and they will move towards inspiration and inspiration is long-lasting inspiration is based on the values that we instill and inspiration is based on who they are becoming as they emerge out of that metaphorical chrysalis Hi, I'm Marcia Amaro, and I sincerely want to thank you for spending this time in conversation with me. I know your time is valuable and you could be doing a million different things, so I don't take lightly the fact that you have chosen to spend these few minutes with me. If you have found value in our conversation, please share it with someone else that you think might find it valuable as well. And in the meantime, I also invite you to head on over to marciamara.com where you will have access to all sorts of different resources, including access to my Tough Talks checklist, which is a one pager that walks you through how to convert any conversation into a space where everybody ends up feeling valued, appreciated, and respected at the end of the conversation. Thanks again for joining me, and I will talk to you next time here on Sincerely Speaking.